on this episode of the AIE Podcast. Halloween is here. It's your last chance to get your heirlooms. The Emperor has reached max level. Oh, I like what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. The mega servers are coming, cupcakes. And we have Rado Zato and Captain Hunter to talk about AIE and Star Trek Online. All that and more coming up right now. Bringing you the latest news from the AIE gaming community from planet Earth and beyond. This is the AIE Podcast. All right, welcome to episode 212 of the podcast celebrating the Aaliyah Ayakta-Est gaming community. This is Accuzod. Aludra is off on a secret special assignment. You'll have to follow her on Twitter to see what it is. We can't tell you it's a secret. But right over there, sitting in the second seat, we've got Makala. Hey, guys. I uh, put some German apple cake in the Guild Kitchen. Ooh, yummy. All right, this week we're joined with special guests here to talk to us about AIE and Star Trek Online. First up, let me introduce Ratozetto. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Oof, I thought we lost you there for a second. Thought maybe you were <laughs> teleporting someplace. And second up, we've got the captain, Captain Hunter. Hey, gang. How you doing? Great. We are good. Okay, so let's jump in and meet, meet and greet everybody. McCullough, it has been, oh, at least a week. Well, okay, not really a week because we just raided, but what have you been up to? Well, um, 6.02 dropped and, you know, <laughs> did the uh, Blasted Lands pre-quest stuff, and that was a good time. Blowing it was good, but it was up. short. It was. Um, it was also a lot of fun to blow the crud out of stuff. Really, really good. I had great. fond memories of vanilla back in the day. Oh, it yeah. It did seem like it, yeah. It's like, I remember killing these guys back in the day. Right? <laughs> back in my day. I wasn't playing WoW then, back when you know that transition from vanilla to Burning Crusades or anything. But yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and that little Iron Star thing that we get as a reward at the end, is so darn cute. That is cool. I love it. That's the thing that was to kill us fighting Gary, but now it's right. a pet. I think I might I name that. mine handle it, since you know I it was always my job to uh, handle the Iron Star. That's true. It was thanks to you we survived. I think you need to make an earring that looks like that because. You know, I've seen all the earrings you've made recently, and they're beautiful. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the other thing. Some, well, two very not intelligent, or three very not so bright guildies decided to sign up for a, um, to be vendors at a science fiction convention, or a you know, fantasy convention, <laughs> two weeks before Christmas. Suckers. Yeah, so I'm um, real life stress crafting. I need a craft <laughs> I wonder if anybody will join me. Besides, yes, you, know, that you should do that. You should just bring, like, buckets of, of random spare parts to, like, BlizzCon in the Guild Hall. And we'll just sit people down and start a semi line making a whole bunch of earrings and necklaces. That be there. What? Yeah, well, forget it. We just won't have it then. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. If you're not going to be there, what's the point? So. Right? We'll talk to Blizzard. Hey, what, so what's been going on with you, Zod? Oh, man, just working nonstop as always. It seems to be a common theme for me. I've been been getting there. I have a list of projects I've got to get done by the end of the year. And this year, for some reason, it's even worse than last year, uh, getting them done. I'm just way, I'm like months behind a project I was supposed to have launched or a program I wrote I was supposed to launch two, three months ago. I'm finally getting to launch this week. So uh, hopefully that frees up some time. 
And of course, I'm trying to get back into Heroes of the Storm, which did their major reset. And the, you know, they're on their last leg of alpha. They're about to go into beta. I'm thinking they're going to announce beta at BlizzCon. I was actually hoping they'd launch the game at BlizzCon, but at this point, I think they're probably, as far as I'm concerned, they've, they've got a great game out. It's already in beta. They should just go ahead and push it live. But They really should, but it's Blizzard, you know, the perfectionist with yeah. such things. And they don't have the matchmaking, and you can't watch other people play yet, so I guess there are a few really major pieces missing. So we'll probably wait for those to go live. But of that, just just losing my mind working nonstop. Um, although I have to say, uh, two major like um, a book and a movie that I read yesterday just sucked me in all day. Um, oh boy, George Takai's Oh My mm-hmm. book he wrote is awesome. If you haven't read it, you've got to read it. It's a couple years old now. I got it on Amazon Unlimited, and it was just it just gripped me. One of those kind of books that you know, I was like, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. I really need to get to sleep, but uh, just one more chapter, one more chapter. You know those books that just grab you all night long and he is such an interesting person you know just not only just for the fandom piece of it um but everything else yeah he's he's a really great guy absolutely it's amazing and the second thing is i want to take a break from reading i would just watch something mindless and so i was flipping through netflix and i said oh look bad grandpa i hear that's mindless and i have to say i loved it i laughed so hard so loud I guess that means I'm a, I'm a nine-year-old boy because, you know, it's all fart jokes everywhere. Um, <laughs> but but uh, it's it's like candid camera taken to the extreme, and it's just an awesome movie. If if you're a guy who likes, you know, other people put in embarrassing situations, I loved it, I have to admit. I feel bad for that, but... It's pretty much it's Johnny Knoxville and the and the Jackass film crew, you know, and he's just kind of like doing Jackass on his own for a little bit, little little... Yeah, although I did not like Jackass because it was really just them, you know, like getting in a shopping cart and pushing each other down the stairs, which is cute, but it's not really funny. You're just hurting yourselves. But here he dresses up as an old man and goes out in public and does all these hilarious things you can only get away with because he looks like an old man. At his normal age, he'd get punched in the mouth. But as an old man, people cut him some slack, so he gets to pull off these horrible, just just mind-bogglingly kind of pranks on people that are just funny. Um, well, at least I think they're funny, which probably says a lot about my sense of humor. But anyway, so that's that's my pitch for the day. If you want to you want to do something smart, read George Takai's Oh My. And if you want to do something dumb, watch Bad Grandpa. I think I'll don't do them the same time. <laughs> okay, that works too. So, Rado, it's been a while since you've been on. What have you been up to? Um, lately I've been rewatching some Voyager episodes, prepping for the the expansion that happened for Star Trek Online. Uh, getting reacquainted with certain races they'll be showing up. And then I've been playing a lot of the new tournament mode on War of Omens, which kind of plays like the arena on Hearthstone. So if you're familiar with that, it's a similar system like that, where it's you, um, you open these packs that they give you of, okay, here's a pack that's nothing but the heroes that have the powers. So you pick one of those. Then you get, um, like three, I think it's three or four packs of just four cards. It's pretty much, this is what you're honing in the draft deck to be, where it's like, okay, here's these four cards, pick one. And then it's a couple more of packs of uh, five cards. Then it's like three final packs of six cards, where it's like, okay, we can just pick up either duplicates of things or some other weird random thing out there kind of thing. And you're trying to build these decks. And it doesn't use any of the normal heroes of the game. It's special heroes that only exist for the tournament mode and you sit there and play just like in the arena where it's like okay you need so many victories or losses if you take three losses it's over you're done um but eight is the cap on wins but if you can get up into the 
uh, I think it's five wins. You get a gold booster pack, so it's like really, you know, you don't have to be like the most amazing person ever, but you know, you get you get kind of top end rewards that way. If you can max out, you can get a whole bunch of silver to buy more packs on top of a free pack. So it's like you can just keep cycling through. Cool. Very nice. So how what level are you at? On War of Omens or Star Trek? The, yes. The War of Omens. Uh, War of Omens, there isn't re- there's levels for each hero, so it's like uh, I've got a lot of them who are close oh. to getting their level. I think it's 24 is their gold level of their signature cards that each hero generates, because each hero has a card that's just that that count that levels up when you level them up. You can't level it up by buying packs. Um, so I've so got basically Hearthstone. Right. Kind of like that, except that okay. in Hearthstone, where it's like, you know, here's the gold foil version. This one, it's like, the gold version is not a, here, it's a hologram. It's a, it costs less, and it's more efficient when you're oh, um, building and constructed. And then hmm. before the show, I watched Galaxy Quest. Woo! Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, I, I, just, movie. I, I just watched one, that today, too. I have one job to do on this ship. Sorry. <laughs> it's stupid. I'm gonna Never do give it. up. I'm gonna do it. Never Never surrender. <laughs> okay. So, Captain, what have you been up to since we talked to you last? Oh, geez. I've been uh, well, watching Galaxy Quest. Uh, Yay. Watched that again today, too. My favorite line, one I get to use all the time, is, Explain it to him as you would a child. Uh, one of my favorite lines. But pretty much I've been gaming, oddly enough. Uh, and I'm way behind on, oddly enough, WoW and Star Trek Online. I've been playing uh, different games. My daughter's got into these YouTube channels, uh, Cupquake and her husband Red, and they play together, and they're, they're loving these games. I'm like, this looks like fun. Usually when you see online gamers, are like, they're capping noobs and they're trolling people or it's a lot of racial slurs and just, you know, general bad attitude. And I found some gamers. I'm like, oh, these guys are just having Quake and Modern War Negro and all these guys are just out there, like, just having fun. I was like, I could kind of do that. So I started, I picked a game and it was uh, APB Reloaded. It's Cops and Robbers Online. Started playing Mm -hmm. that just because it sounded totally out of my milieu. I was like, I have no idea how to play this. Went in having a ball. And then oh, I started picking up. Causes so much rage. I know, but then it's like, and then there's like Octodad on Steam, and then there's, you know, sir, you're being hunted. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of great games, and I'm not a great gamer, but I can have fun. So I've been recording them and sticking them up on a YouTube channel, just getting that started. So just uh, trying to expand my gaming horizons and keeping it fun and light. Hey, make oh, the, sure. Uh... I was gonna say, make sure you put um, in the notes. Make sure you. Throw that that link oh, in. Oh, sure yeah. We want to see that. Oh, and people should be watching Hunter's videos because celebrities show up. Like, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the guy's. I'm terrible with names. I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but in the first video, he he met a celebrity right there on screen. I was like, oh. <gasps> Very nice. Like they come over to his house and like you know sit down and play games with him. You and McGregor, get out of here, you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, hey, with that, let's jump into uh, AIE News, I think. AIE News. So, do you happen to have a ticket to BlizzCon? And I mean real or virtual. 
If so, this year's BlizzCon online merchandise sale is underway. Starting now through November 11th, BlizzCon attendees and virtual ticket buyers can score some wonderful, fabulous BlizzCon premiere loot through the BlizzCon gear store. Also, those nomads, they're heading into Arcage. The queues are down to normal levels, the servers are up and running, and the nomads are going to be there through October 31st. And don't worry, if you had a problem originally with this, with this game, Everything is smooth as it looks, or as, as can be, and it is free to play. And, you know, we have a ton of more news on all the games that AIE is playing in on the forums. So much news that we can't even put it on the podcast, because we can't do a three-hour podcast, guys. It, you don't want to listen. We, our voices will give out. So go check them out. See all the great things that's happening in your AIE gaming community. But we will cover some of them, just so you don't have to go to them and read every forum post, because that would take days. There's just a lot going on. So let's jump over and talk about AIE in World of Warcraft. Now, Blizzard just released subscribers count uh, their subscribers count ahead of next month's earning call. They are currently at 7.4 million subscribers. Now, I remember them peaking at 12 million, but that was, uh, what, two, three years ago now? Three so years ago, to, during Wrath, wasn't it? Or right before, yeah. like, between Wrath and Kata? Yeah, and then, the, so right now they're up 600,000 from the Q2 call that uh, listed them at 6.8 million subscribers. So the game is 10 years old. That is long in the tooth for a, for a video game these days and still have over 7 million subscribers. It's really impressive. Uh, I remember we were playing EverQuest and uh, every new expansion for EverQuest came out and they started getting, the expansions, I think they just ran out of ideas. They all started getting stupid. And there's one where like, Every single you know, major zone or major boss didn't have any vowels in the name, so you never knew how to pronounce any of the, the places you were going. Where are you so going? I'm going to... It was so, written was that? Well. It was yeah, written yeah. Well then. Yeah. I, maybe well, that was it. Maybe they're going well. Well, that was always the question. It was like, hey, there's a new continent. Oh, we forgot this one over here. Oh, yeah, there's another continent. Oh, we discovered the moon. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> How many things can you just misplace, for God's sakes? Right. So, you know, again, I loved EverQuest, but they definitely got long on the tooth, and they didn't, they didn't, in my mind, they didn't age gracefully. I think WoW is aging very gracefully, and I think 7 million. I, I can tell you, if I was running a gaming company, I'd be happy with 7 million okay. subscribers. Well, WoW just got some work done. That's true. Some, Had a face yeah. off, so. <laughs> okay, well, also in WoW, um, no, go ahead. I was say, most of the races had a facelift. That's true, but not all of them, which was. <laughs> so they all look very happy with their Botox injections. They're just smiling all the time. <laughs> okay, uh, Hallow's End is here, observed by both the Horde and the Alliance. Wait a minute, we let the Alliance have a holiday? Yeah, we're, we we're really nice people. We have to share. Okay. Hollow's End is a celebration of the break between the Forsaken and the Scourge. Many tricks and treats await adventurers seeking holiday fun, including defeating the Headless Horseman. Again, <laughs> visiting inns and cities for fun items such as masks and costumes, and eating way too much candy in one sitting. Now, I got a, that suddenly popped in my mind here. I'm going off note with this one. Uh, the first time I ever did the, the All Hallows Eve quest and ate so much candy that I actually threw up in game blew me away. That said some game company would actually go to the trouble of animating vomit. <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. I was like, wow. It didn't just like, you know, my face turned green. No, they threw up on the floor. I just, that was just blew me away that they do that. I laughed so hard. So, um, 
Okay, now now what's new this year? Because every year they keep bringing this event back and bringing it back, and you got to wonder why you're doing it. So this year they have the exquisite costume of the Lich King available for purchase at the price of 500 tricky treats. The exact replica has 20 charges. I believe this is one that actually turns you to, looks like you're wearing the Ice Cred, right. the uh, Lich King costume, right? Is it? It's down to the last strand of hair, I believe, is what we were reading. Do you get his voice? Because that kind of gravelly, echoey Death Knight thing would be awesome. That would be neat. Okay, and as uh, McCall mentioned earlier, patch 6.0.2 has dropped. It's really a pre-patch, which leads us into the major Warlords of Drainer launch, which is coming up on November 13th. Now, during this little pre-patch area, players have a 100% chance of getting their first Garage Heirloom weapon on each difficulty. So then you can do it on, I believe, Normal and Heroic, but not Raid Finder. And you can get your heirloom drops. Uh, so now they also change it. So when you see your Ogmar, you can't just jump into Wing 4 and go run over and knock out Gary. You actually have to do the entire siege beginning to end in order to get to Gary, which I found a bit annoying, but you have to do it. We'll finish tonight, though. That's true. We'll finish ours tonight. So if you have yet to claim an heirloom for your collection, here's your chance. Now, once Warlords of Draenor goes live on November 13th, the heirlooms will be gone. So you got to get in now. That gives us, what, four weeks, four runs? Whew, and I've got like seven level 90s. Oh, man, i got to get cracking. Um, so now, to get involved. I'm a bit behind on it. What exactly is that heirloom that you get off of Garage? Oh, he drops weapon heirlooms that um, are best in slot for every character right now, and they also level with you as you go from 90 to 100. So they're going to be level, level leveling gear for the next expansion. And they're all weapons, which is always the hardest thing to get out of any game. Right. So, like, for example, my mage has got his staff, and then the second, third time we killed Gary, I got a strength shield on my mage. But they're yeah. bind to account, so you can share yep. them with your alts. Or if you don't have alts, you can just keep getting weapons that everybody wants on your one and only main. <laughs> Who would be doing that? I have seven weapons now. I'm a, I'm a warlock. Which is crazy, because we've killed Gary six times. I don't know how you pulled that off. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I must have crit it on something. Okay, now, so if you're like me, trying to freak out on how, how are you going to get all your tunes through Gary, or at least, or maybe even just get in to see Gary, if you if you aren't a raider at the moment, um, Thugs is hosting the amazing Heirloomathon. Uh, there's a link to it. Sign up in the forums and the show notes. Thugs is working very hard to get people through and get their heirlooms before they go away. So jump in the forums and sign up. I shall see if you can use any of my alts because I, I need to get them in. And yeah. last, don't forget the AIE Homecoming Dance, which is too ghoul for school. It's coming up on November 1st, hosted by Zephyra. Zephyra? Zephyra. Zephyra. How do you say that? Zephyra? Zephyra? Okay. Zeph. Zeph. by Zeph. Sorry, yes. Zeph. Uh, we still need a few items for the refreshments. So, you know, it's like a potluck. If you want to bring something, take a look in the forums and see what you can bring and how to join. Definitely. And up this week in the always popular Ask a um, Star Wars, the Old Republic Guildie, is Apolis, which, as we know, he's one of those guys that really is in all the games. Head over and ask any questions within reason to this great member of the AIE community. And also, we're kind of running low on the Guildies for the Inquisition. So if you're playing Swotor, or if it's been a while since you've done um, the Ask a Guildie thread, Go ahead and sign up. And due to real life issues, Emperor Palpatine is stepping down from the head of Swartor. But never fear, 
The always present Max, yes, that Max, one that plays the games and runs and drinks all the wine, has is happily taking over leadership duties. Please send him your condolences or congratulations or just both. And um, coming up on the heels of AIE SOTOR launching our new guild flagship, Stronghold, and engaging in some epic versus guild conquest, Bioware has announced the new game changer and, um, wow, has introduced the new game changer and announced the Shadows of Revan digital expansion. Shadows of Rev Revan will launch the first week of December in order to prepare players for the new content and to and a level cap increase from 55 to 60. Bioware has enabled special perks for subscribers who have pre-ordered the uh, expansion. Um, it's a um, pre-order on its 19.99. Also great about it, the earlier you order, the more perks you get. In order to, in addition to early access at launch, the experience bonus of 12 per, or 12 times, yes, hasn't been enabled for all class story missions. I've been hearing some people talk on Twitter and they said that um, bonus has just been amazing. Um, 12 times bonus? Exactly. Holy cow. This is, yeah, that is just insane. All right, and this has been heartily embraced by our guild, and the Altapalooza is in progress with the new 55s popping up on a constant basis. That is insane. I would love 12 times experience bonus. Yeah. Especially well, on my alts, I'm trying to get to 90. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. oh, that's okay. not wrong game, though. No, no, I want it. Wow. That'd be great. I always hate when I see these... I always see these other games that come up with these great little features. Like, man, I wish that was in my game of choice. Why don't I? Why don't we have that? And then hopefully you'll get there. But All right, moving on to AIE in Lord of the Rings Online with those Harry Toes Hobbitses. Hobbitses. That's what it says in the notes right there. Harry Toes Hobbitses right there. Uh, don't forget the Fall Festival is returning to Lotro on or around October 21st. Now, we don't have the exact date, but it's coming up, and that's like in a few days. So jump in there on the forums and catch up with what's going on. And on the heels of the Fall Fair and in grand AIE tradition, AIE and Lotro will be hosting, hosting a craft fair on November 1st. So we get the Fall Festival in game, and then we have an AIE craft fair in Lotro coming up within, what, a week? Two weeks? Right. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And I believe the reason for the um, craft fair is because Van Flick is a hoarder. <laughs> that, that is what started it, but looks like they have um, few professions that are set in stone. I was looking on, reading about what they're doing on the forums, and AIE Craft Fair, it's one of our great traditions. And on October 15th, Wildstar rolled out mega servers, and a very helpful guildie, Cicada, um, was great enough to post on the forums some really great information, really easy information on how to get it set up and to get out to Nexus. So uh, go on and get that updated, Cupcakes. <laughs> okay, with that, let's head back to Red Rosetto and Captain Hunter and talk about what's going on in AIE in Star Trek Online. Previously on Star Trek Online. Why is a ship still going backwards? Damn it, I'm a doctor, tinker, tenor, spy, hologram, playwright, author, and lover. Not a red shirt. Every rule of acquisition. If it gets you money, do it, even if you shouldn't. Kapla! Sorry, Captain Kim. I'm the newest character in the setting, and even I outrank you. 
And now, the continuation of Star Trek Online, Delta Rising. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> scene. Oh my god, that was great. <laughs> so basically, uh, so Star Trek Online has their second expansion since their launch. Uh, it's Delta Rising. It came out on the 14th, and it is basically, for a free-to-play game, the amount of content that they keep producing, and especially these big expansions, is just amazing. And in particular, in this expansion, I think last time they introduced Romulans and gave us new intros for, you know, tutorials for each of the races and stuff. This time around, the big news is that the level cap has been raised to 260 for the first time since launch. Mm. Now, nice. that level cap does come with uh, two ranks that people get to have. Um, similar to um, previously in the game, there was like, it was every 10 levels as the next rank. The exception was in the final stretch from 40 to 50, there was um, two ranks in between there. As you're becoming a um, rear admiral, um, lower half and upper half. Mm -hmm. um, now it is at level 55, you are a full admiral, just not admiral rear half or anything, like full admiral. Mm -hmm. um, at 60, you are then a fleet admiral. Yep, and I think on the Klingon side, their highest rank is the Har Master. The Horror Master or Har Master? The Har. The Har. Har Master, okay. Kind of like Hafar. <laughs> so, uh, so, and there's also new playable races. So this expansion is called Delta Rising because we return to the Actually, Delta Quadrant. Actually, there are no new playable races. Oh, no, yeah, no new playable races, but new races to interact with. So this is uh, the introduction of some new worlds, some new races to play, you know, some new play areas. Uh, I believe even the Kobali have uh, an adventure zone, sort of a big uh, ground-based, uh, like a regular WoW zone, like a big, you know, ground-based zone to play in. But we're returning to the Delta Quadrant, which is uh, what plays so heavily in the Voyager uh, series, that they got sent so far away, and it would take them so far to get back, now we have the technology to send ships back and forth through portals, uh, transport portals, I believe. Or actually, the, I think is, is it the transport? Well, how th they kept contact because, as was established throughout Voyager, as they were going along, well, as they're towards the tail end of it, as they're getting closer to the Alpha Quadrant, um, they were able to set up communication uh, methods so they could, you know get a hold of people and talk to, to Starfleet and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, they've maintained that, and Neelix, and at least the second episode, has mentioned that like there is contact, but it's not as often because it's just so far away. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in fact, it, with the updated map, you can kind of get an idea of like where the um, current map system, like what we have available versus where in the Delta Quadrant we are. But like, it as Voyager was presented, like the Delta Quadrant is just way clear out there, and they were far out. Uh, so there was communication, but like travel out there was just not reliable and not very fast. I mean, there are a couple methods that they learned about to help speed things along, like transwarp drive, um, also transwarp conduit gates, similar to what the um, the Borg used. But um, pretty much it's further developments with the um, one of the Dyson spheres um, in the, the region that the Voth and the Federation Republic and Empire are fighting over, at least for supremacy. Um, there's a way from there to get into the Delta Quadrant. And so that's... Isn't that a vacuum? Yes. <laughs> Dyson, Dyson sphere. sphere? Okay, just making yep. sure. And so from there, we're able to 
um, get from the um, the alpha and beta quadrants over to the delta quadrant and back vice versa. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, Neelix, they have uh, Seven of Nine, the Doctor, Neelix, Harry Kim, and Tuvok, the actors, reprising their roles to not only do voice acting in this, but I think in some of the prior episodes you'd had Michael Dorn come in as Worf and uh, Tuvok come in just to kind of do like, hi, here we are to give you a mission. We're going to be presenting a mission to you. This time you actually get to play side by side with these characters. And at least I haven't gotten through the missions yet to do this, but I've seen in the videos and stuff fighting side by side with the Doctor, with Seven of Nine taking on missions, you know, interacting with them. So we're looking at, like, more extended voice work. And I think they've done a great job about bringing in, you know, the characters, the actual actors from the shows to voices. And they they make them look like them. They, you know, they sound great. They look great. And it's just a nice, you know, way to be able to interact with the Star Trek universe universe even more. Love that. Definitely. Um, One of the missions that you'll get in, uh, the one where you first get to interact with the Doctor, because it's pretty much as you're going along, they kind of focus on a particular character, because as um, Cryptic, the studio who who works on the game, um, has said that pretty much it's each of the five core people is kind of involved with a particular group with the Delta uh, Quadrant, and it's pretty much helping them out, helps unify things so that towards the end of the overarching story, you can bring all these people together to, to rise up against you know the big bad that, it, that, it, that the, the story is centered around. But yeah. uh, um, in the second mission, no, it's not second. Second mission is Neelix, but third mission, um, you get to meet the Doctor, and when you complete that, you get a special duty officer that if you put him on your um, active ground roster of, of duty officers, uh, there's a chance whenever you use a, a hypo spray that it summons him to show up and he comes in and goes, you know, with um, Robert Picardo's voice, he goes and yells, please state the nature of the medical emergency and he's right there on the screen and he helps heal the, you and your party. And as you level up... duty. Duty. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> As he goes, uh, and as you level up too, you, you're, you're gaining levels, you're going to be opening up new skill trees as well. So you're also, it's not just gaining ranks, it's opening up skill trees and being able to assign points again to those areas and, and kind of, you know, tailoring your, your, your character to your playstyle again. And as you go in, you're also going to be earning better ships. They now have tier 6 ships that are available to you. And the Delta Quadrant ones in particular, I think they're sold with the Delta Pack, and you can also upgrade your current ship with a token to give it an intelligence officer slot. So this is another officer slot that can go on your bridge. This is your intelligence officer, and they are particularly good at finding the weaknesses, the flaws, you know, uh, opening up the enemy to attack, and being... Yeah, here we go. Uh, Rado has one. Um, actually, a bit actually, of correction. Like, almost like a debuff. A of- you can basically debuff the, the enemy. A bit of correction on that. Um, any of the tier five ships that get the upgrade, because some of them can, some of them can't, oh, some of them, okay. and some of them get a free one, some of them don't. Mm. But um, uh, the tier five upgraded or T five U will not get the intelligence officer slot that is res- reserved for the full tier six ships. Oh, okay. Now, what T five U, the t- the tier five upgraded, does give you is the ship mastery, which um, if you're watching my screen right now, I have the the um, the specializations, but the um, mastery is pretty much a little extra section on on your ship right there. That pretty much you get, you know, if you keep piloting that 
ship, um, you get you get to fill a secondary experience bar. As it fills up, it unlocks um, one of four abilities, and all of them are in a particular order. And each ship kind of has its own progression. Like there might be some things that are similar that are that you know similar types of ships. Like certain science ships will have like a certain trait that's that's common or, or you know across all of them. But as they progress along, like the order might be shifted, or there might be a unique trait generally in the fourth tier that is like, you know, here's something signature of this ship. It's supposed to signify that you've gotten a lot more familiar with the ship. You can eke out a little more performance out of it. Hmm. And I guess, uh, let's see, with the actors coming up, we also have, uh, yeah, there are a lot of new uh, races to deal with in this. Again, Delta Quadrant races, uh, the Kazon, the Kobali, uh, you know, good guys and bad guys. And I think I've seen uh, some screenshots of the new bad guys. Very interesting looking, uh, kind of a. Now, Hunter, do you know who the looking... the new who the the big bad is? Because in um, New Accord season nine, mm-hmm. it was the um, crap. I had them just. To, I had. Them. Are they the Zaram something? I've... Again, Star Trek names are hard. <laughs> Sorry, I, ha- I had them just a, It was on the tip of my tongue just a second ago. But, blah, 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 um, was, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it, it, the, the big bad of the uh, at that time, let me see if I can pull it up with the episodes. <clears throat> Solani Dyson Sphere. Um, surface tensions. Da, 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 stuff. <laughs> hmm. I apologize, this is awesome radio. But um, well, While he's looking it up, uh, we, uh, fleet-wise, on the fleet side... We're just still chugging along. We got new people signing up all the time. We're getting uh, applications in, getting people invited into the fleet. Uh, we're plugging away at finishing up the lithium mine three. So this is going to finish up our lithium mine, which will give us uh, tier three in development on the lithium mine, which means in the long run it gives us a huge fleet mark discount on all future uh, fleet asset projects in the future. That covers the any fleet marks that we need for. The sphere for the for our or uh, the spire actually the base itself anything we use for fleet marks are going to be fifteen percent less and that really kicks in when you start getting into tier four and five uh, star base development because you start getting like crazy amounts of uh, requirements so Delithium mine is cruising along nicely we're about to finish it up with a big push at the end and that gives us a nice big bonus there and then uh, pretty much we just recently finished up. Uh, the Rising event over the summer. There was the Rising event where you can kind of go on and do the fun, you know, fly around the beaches, kind of do a little, you know, surfing. And nice thing is they had surfboards they added this year, and those were really awesome. Rockets. Yeah. They added surfboards. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, they're always adding new content, and you know, as far as free-to-play games go. Uh, again, it's always it's one of probably the best free-to-play values out there where it actually is free-to-play. You can get from zero to level 60 without spending a dime. Of course, being Star Trek, so many cool things to buy. Like, you, oh, I could just get that uniform, or oh, if I could just, oh, that's my favorite ship, I'm going to get that. So they have ways to draw you in, but, you know, it's always been the game itself. The gameplay is open to everyone. All zones are open to everyone. You know, pretty much... Start free, play, have fun. That's a great way to hug you in, too. Oh yeah, yeah. the The big bad from uh, uh, New Accord was the Iconians, which um, wow. some of you remember from previous episodes I've been on. Um, they're they're mentioned quite a bit throughout both missions in the game and within primarily Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Specifically, uh, Worf has interacted with 
with them quite a bit in a couple, at least their technology in um, past episodes. Because they're kind of a faceless ancient race of like, we've seen their stuff, but we've never seen them. Well, you get to see them in Star Trek Online. And aren't these uh, also the ones that had the little, like, the table, they'd hold people down and basically in that episode no, of Next Gen? That rate, that particular race was involved with the Iconians. Ah, uh, okay. So they weren't the Iconians. They were working with them. Okay. Yes. Um, but the big bad in this one, in um, Delta Rising, is um, referenced in a very specific um, Voyager episode. And I think similar to the um, when they started doing uh, <clears throat> the, the most recent content after Perfect World acquired Cryptic, um, <clears throat> it was the... Um, is that it was the tail end missions they added on to the um, the Cardassian uh, conflict, oh, where you got to do a whole bunch of stuff with the Deep Space Nine, and they had a, a massive tie of there was an event that happened during Deep Space Nine where it's like, so whatever happened to these guys? Well, they had a, a mission set that was centered around those people who mysteriously disappeared. Here they are, and this is how they're reacting as they're back. Mm-hmm. Well, in um, Delta Rising, there's a specific episode called Dragon's Teeth. And in that one, this introduces who the big bad is, and it pretty much sets up the history of the, okay, here's who they are, and explaining, okay, here's where they came from for at least them being the big bad here in Delta Rising. Because there's a lot of questions of the, so wait a minute, we, you know, it was mentioned in Voyager's Logs that this is what was going on. How'd they get from point A when, you know, when they met them 30 years ago to now point B where they are now? It's like, holy crap, they've got some extra backing. So that's mm. part of the, the mystery you're trying to solve is the, okay, where'd they get this extra stuff? Okay, now remind me, the timeline of the game itself in the Star Wars, uni- or Star Wars, apologies, Star Trek universe, um, <laughs> I swear, no, no idea where they came from. Um, it, it's set after the last Star Wars series shows, right? Um, about 30 years after the conclusion of Voyager, at least mm-hmm. chronologically. Okay. I've been watching a lot of Star Trek Enterprise, going back to the roots of Star Trek, and I just loved, I loved that little, you know, the the way they they tried to make the tech look even look lower tech than yeah. the original series. Grappling hooks and so, no, you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. Those were awesome. Which, if you're a huge fan of Enterprise, which, you know, don't is. get me wrong, it was, oh, it was kind of a so-so show. But if you like really like Enterprise, there is a like, you know. A fashion pack you can get. Where it's like I want the uniform, so my my crew looks like you know people from Enterprise, and you can even get the 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 best episode on there is the Mirror Universe alternate uniforms that they had during that. Wow. And you can also pick up the one. NX, and you can pick up the NX zero one as a ship as well as a nice oh, starter. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty much it's it's yeah about thirty years after uh, Sulu's son is on uh, the space dock. Uh, there's a lot of um, quote uh, unquote children named Mud moving around as traitors and stuff, so Harry was very uh, prolific in his spreading of his uh, lineage across the, the spaceways. Uh, pretty much it, oh, yeah, and it's, you know, and the, and the characters a little bit older, Harry uh, and Tuvok have moved up in rank. I think Seven Nine is still out of the... Out and of Tuvok's the, an admiral now. Yeah, so, you know, pretty much, like, things have moved on. They, they're a little bit grayer in the temples. Worf is a chancellor, all that kind of stuff, so it's still familiar characters, but time has moved on. Well, That's really Chief, cool. oh, he's gone now, actually, ever since they did the crafting update, but Chief O'Brien's son was oh. on Memory Alpha, but ever since they changed the crafting system, they effectively just closed out and removed Memory Alpha. Like, the planet exists, but you can't mm-hmm. go down to there, because that's where it used to be, the crafting hub. And Chief O'Brien's son 
um, was there. Um, Icheb from um, Voyager, you can find him. I think it's in Starbase K7. So if you're looking for like the the last remaining Borg kid who stuck with Voyager to the final episode, mm-hmm. that's where he ended up. Oh, awesome! And there's Risa, nice and sunny, hmm. the pleasure planet. <laughs> so pretty okay, much, uh, the- we're all doing good. Everything's all good in Star Trek Online. Awesome. Any other news? Um, one particular thing, like as um, Hunter was mentioning before, um, you know, we're trying to get the big push for the dilithium mine because once that's finished, it makes other projects easy. Like we don't have to invest as much time. The biggest thing we're kind of lagging behind on is dilithium for um, the you know some of the the Talon projects get because it takes a lot of dilithium. So I kind of wanted to take a moment of you know explain to people, hey, here's dilithium. Here's how you can get it, and if you want, because one big caveat about dilithium is it is a time currency. So it's in a very real way, this translates into your time being money or vice versa. Um, but in a lot of perfect world games, and some of you have heard, if you've been on, heard me on previous shows, this should be familiar. Um, we do have a link for a very in-depth version of this in the Star Trek Online forums to a, a blog post that uh, Cryptic provides, uh, you know, explaining here's the dilithium system, how you can get it. But effectively, dilithium is a time currency. Every day, uh, you can do a whole bunch of missions that will give you unprocessed raw dilithium uh, uh, as ore. Uh, you'll have two different kinds of, of dilithium. You'll have the, the raw ore and then the refined. Now, ore, you can get as much as you want. There's no cap. You can just keep doing missions, keep doing missions, and keep doing projects and so forth like that, and it keeps adding up. Now, the refined stuff, that what you do is there's a little button on your uh, assets, and it's pretty much you just click refine, and any of the ore turns into the refined stuff to a cap of 8,000 per day. So this is where it's your time currency. So a day's worth of effort is 8,000. Um, with that, you can do a lot of things. There's a lot of upgrades within our our fleet base. Uh, if you have fleet credits, which you you get credits for participating in any of the projects, like you know certain things that have more costly commodities give more credits to you. So participating in any of the projects gives you fleet credits. But with credits in Dilithium, you can buy specialized, awesome upper end gear that's like really special and really awesome for their stats. So these are things you can get right now. Um, also, there is a um, your own personal reputation projects that require uh, Dilithium to make the special uh, reputation gear there. So stuff for your ship, stuff for your character for while you're running out on the ground missions. Um, and then finally, there is the Dilithium Exchange. This is where the premium currency Zen, which is a universal currency across all um, perfect world games. Zen is like your space coins, your, you know, name your premium thing where you pay real money to get um, credits for things in, in a game. But the Zen Exchange is pretty much where Perfect World got the bright idea of, you know, instead of having a free-to-play game where everyone's like, oh, we hate the whales, those players who have tons of money, maybe, maybe not a lot of time, but they've got tons of money and they buy a whole bunch Did of stuff. Did you just call them whales? It's the, it's a, the I biggest, didn't coin the term. Is that the term? Okay. I didn't coin the term, so but that's <laughs> what they're referred to as. Is it's it's the whales. 
but what it is is pretty much perfect world smartly made it so it's like instead of you know anta- you know being neutral letting people be antagonistic of you know uh, oh that person's accomplishment means nothing cuz they're just a whale they they threw money at it it's pay to win they made a system so it's like okay people who have time but not a lot of money can interact with people who have money but not a lot of time with the zen exchange pretty much you can sell your um, dilithium to get zen which you know premium currency to unlock ships clothing unlocks, races, um, extra character slots, and things like that. Um, or you could, if you have a whole bunch of Zen, you can sell that to get Dilithium in case it's like, ah, oh, man, I can't do all the missions and refine it all. I just want to go buy some Dilithium. So, you know, they, you can trade back and forth with other players. So you just, you know, put, you know, you set up your auctions of I'm selling my Dilithium or I'm selling my Zen. And people who, you know, have too much of one and not enough of the other can meet nicely and get what they want. Nice. It's a great solution. Yeah, they handled it okay. very elegantly. All right. So, any last any last comments before we move on? Uh, feel free to hit the the uh, Elite Yacht Est uh, boards there. We have a little Star Trek online subform. I think the first sticky post is how to join. So, get an application in. Feel free to join us. Uh, we always seem to have people on at all hours of the day or night. Um, you know, maybe not quite a green wall, but. You know, we got some folks there and, and always ready to have a good time. How many people are in the uh, AIE STO guild? A hundred and I haven't looked recently. Let's take now, a Now, is that there. players or accounts? Because that's I'd kind of the thing with it. Players. Check the roster. Characters. You, human beings. Well, because the thing is, if I do the rosters, it shows alts. doesn't go by accounts. Yeah, so. I'd say out of the 150 characters we have, I would say at least... 90 to 100 are actual people. Um, we don't have too many people with too many alts. Usually it's a Fed and maybe a Romulan alt. Um, you know, maybe 80 f- folks on the low side, 80 actual people. But uh, So if um, somebody out there is looking for a, a group to play with that actually is active and there are people on all the time, uh, that sounds like a good fit. Yeah. Yep. Now, how do you guys handle, like, raiding and oh, – sorry, McCullough, go ahead. Especially for a free-to-play game. Oh, yeah. Very much. Yeah, we definitely have our ups and downs. Sometimes, I mean, it is a free-to-play game, so there isn't that impetus of like, well, I paid my 15 bucks, I better get on and play. People kind of drift in and out. You know, the WoW expansion is coming up. That's you know, that, that's game. Now, so like, guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. How do you guys handle things like rating? If there is, I'm sure there's a rating equivalent in STO. Well, content they, in this, content in Star Trek Online, I. I'm fairly sure this is the case with at least Cryptic on it, but it's it's not built where it's like, okay, we got to get a big old guild who gets together and we're all going to take this content with all these lockouts and things like that. It's actually built, I think, a little closer to how the Asian markets are because, again, Perfect World Entertainment is Asian-based company. Um, but pretty much it's, it's all endgame stuff is, for the most part, aside from very special exceptions. It's all five-man content, and it's completely doable with, like, a pickup group. I mean, it can be smoother if it's more reliable people, and you can get certain achievements done and accolades and unlocks that way, but just to get through it, you can just, you know, round up a bunch of people and get it done. Yeah, there's usually a long list of ground and space-based missions that, you know, some will rule. And then you can choose, like, do I want to do ground? Do I want to do space-based? Do I want to do it easier? Do I want to do it hard? And what do I want as reward? Do I want fleet marks? Do I want dilithium? What do I want as the reward? So here's a, a long list if you're looking at the video there. And you can hop in, and it's like some are five minutes, some are, or sorry, five minutes, some are five man, some are ten man, some are twenty man. 
and it's sort of like you just queue up and you're putting a pug. And basically, you know, all, since the ships are so, you know, yes, you've got science and, and tactical and, and engineering, but you could run a mission with all tactical, you could run a mission with all science. The, the mix and match of, of teammates isn't as important as basically teamwork. Just working together and, you know, and once you kind of like see where people are going and, you know, get a feel for one or two of the missions, you're set after that. You're, you're good to go. Cool. Yeah, so like certain cool. jargon flies around throughout like the, the pickup group team chat. Well, like say, for example, um, <clears throat> what is it? Uh, Cure, I'm trying to remember the name of the mission. But there's a, a Borg mission you can do where people, you know, as they're going, before they even start the thing, people will verify. It's like, now does everyone know the 10% rule, meaning a particular strategy where it's you burn down these four different things to 10% stop until all four at 10%, then you simultaneously burn all of them and burn the final thing all in one quick go so you can actually manage and get the bonus of that level instead of being there forever as these um, probes and spheres keep coming in from the, the, the board conduit and they keep healing everything out there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's quick, concise, you know, here's the strategy here, or there's another one, I think it, it's on um, uh, Cure Released, I think is what it's, it's called, but um, in that one, for example, it's the who's on Kang, and all right, does everyone know the, um, <clears throat> you know, again, the that version of the um, kill all the, the pods, leave the cubes strat, which is you kill all the pods that make the cubes invulnerable, but you leave the cubes at the three different stations alone. Then as soon as everything's all prepped, then it's burn one cube, run to the next, burn that cube, and then run to the final one, because how how it works is every time you kill a cube, um, nastier spawns. It, it's kind of like a um, playing against a computer um, on a, a MOBA where they keep spawning the minions. But every time you kill a cube, instead of you getting your better minions to send against them because you don't get minions, nastier minions keep spawning against you. So to mitigate that, it's you burn them quick so that it's like, okay, they don't have time to spawn the better minions. And you have one person keeping um, the target person, the target disabled ship alive. Yeah. But the bottom line is the guild, you guys don't have to actually schedule runs and raids. People can just jump in and find yeah, well, OST groups. Correct, especially since the lockouts from almost all the content is pretty much an hour. So it's like, you know, you'll do a mission. It's like, okay, you can't do this mission for an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, you know, as long as you just line it up like, okay, you know, oh, you know, um, you know, we're going to have a, like a whole bunch of people because you can, we can set up within the guild similar to the WoW calendar. Like, hey, we're, you know, a bunch of us are going to do this run on this day at this time. So you can sit around and schedule your things going, okay, um, I want to see if I can squeeze in another run of this particular thing. So you do it you know, well an hour beforehand, so that way your um, your timer is up by the time your stuff's ready to go. Yeah, plus you, well, we've been in events where we're just kind of hanging around the star base, and then it's like, hey, who wants to go on a mission? And we group up with some people, queue for thing, and you all go into the same mission. So either pugs or you can group up, and then, you know, like you said, some are, you know, a little more strategic, and some are just tank and spank, you know, just run through the, the town, Oh well, I don't know what would you call it? Phase and and blaze, just you know, just <laughs> phase and blaze. There you go, phase and blaze. <laughs> I love it. And just you know, run, 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 shoot, 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 and then yay, and and you know, get some goodies at the end. Alrighty then. Okay, it looks like we're running out of time, so let's call that our show for tonight. Uh, while the chat room begins suggesting titles, and of course that means you, Sybil, uh, we want to thank you guys both for joining us. Rado, where can people find you on the web? Um, people can follow a lot of my musing
um, over at Radozato on Twitter. Also, um, you can find, double check in the address so I don't say the wrong one, you can find the blog that I um, write articles for over at um, across the board dot uh, across the board games.net. Um, a link for this will be provided in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And Hunter, where can people find you? Uh, well, as I said earlier, just uh, kind of got a little entertainment channel going off on the side there. So there's, uh, I was getting some traction on my old YouTube channel, my kind of personal one, so I switched it over to Bearded Coffee Monkey. So you can go to... Great name. Bearded Coffee Monkey, um, all one word. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Monkey. I love that. That's hilarious. That's great. And if you have any questions or comments about our show, you can email the podcast at podcast at aie-guild.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. The show is at AIE Podcast. Accuzod is at naturally Accuzod. Eludra is at Eludra underscore AIE. And I am at Cyberwave. We record live with video every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can join the chat room and play along with us on our website, theaiepodcast.com. And our theme was composed by the wonderful and amazing Andrew Allen. Follow him at... (laughs) Sorry, I have no idea. Sounds like your puppy likes him. I I guess. Keys with Soul or visit his website at keyswithsoul.com. Okay, now it's time to play all of the great AIE member segments that get sent in, and we got a ton this week. We actually had a couple of people come back who've been on hiatus, so it's great to hear them. So you should be hearing immediately following this, Buxley's Journal, Epic Diapers, Ask Miss Mulgra, Ask a Magus, Overly Dramatic News, Much Lesser Known Shaws, and Mega Minute. Welcome, this is Dedrin with another edition of Ask a Magus. This week's question is, why can't mages just teleport or use portals to go to basically anywhere? Well, we actually can. Jaina does this a lot. But, as we found in the past, there's kind of major traffic problems when you do this. You see, if you don't know exactly where you're going, you can teleport into pretty bad stuff. I myself teleported right into a rock. That turned out to be a rock elemental. If I didn't blink out of that, I wouldn't have been an even squishier mage. Anyway, when mages freely teleported anywhere, they often found themselves merged with other people as well. In case you're wondering, this is exactly how ogres became two-headed. And by the way, those are the ones that lived. Send your questions to Askamagus on Twitter. Thrumka, and welcome to Ask Miss Mulgra, your source on matters of etiquette in Azeroth. Today's question is... How can I avoid awkward political dinner conversations with my in-laws? In-laws are an enigmatic class of fighters. 
As two-handed weapon masters, they excel at offering you a second piece of cactus apple surprise with one hand, while smacking you in the back of the head with a dead cross-orang paddlefish with the other. Mother-in-laws can be particularly tricky to deal with when their suppose ability procs. If you do not interrupt it before it casts, you will spend the rest of the evening listening to how she supposes she will probably die before you produce any grandchildren. I suggest you put the in-laws' abilities to good use. Send them into the yard to loudly discuss how your neighbor's house really looks so much better than yours, except for that scraggly lawn and all the weeds. Such a shame. I am Miss Mulgra, and that is my advice. Akamagosh! Follow at Miss Mulgra on Twitter, or listen to previous episodes at MissMulgra.com. Do I amuse you? Do I look like some kind of Buxley to you? Welcome to Buxley's Journal. Psst! Hey! Hey, buddy! What? Yeah, yeah, uh, what are we doing here? Don't know. They just told me to stand here, so that's what I'm doing. Yeah, but uh, what the heck was that thing? What thing? What do you mean, what thing? What are you talking about? That big red glowing thing. I'm just doing what I'm told. Well, I don't like it. We're just standing around. Guarding what? This broken down fence? That's stupid, don't you think? Well, uh, it's probably an, an important fence. Yeah, but does it take hundreds of us running through that big red gate and come out here? We're just guarding this fence? Uh... Where did everybody else go? Uh, really, I, I think this is probably a pretty important fence. Yeah, but where's everybody else then? Uh, I don't know. Look, we all spread out. You know how this is. They told us to stand over here. We're supposed to conquer this territory. And that's what we did. I don't know, man. This is all kind of weird. They tell us to report here Tuesday morning, which we did this morning. Big invasion, they said. Lots of fighting, they said. Iron horn and all that. Yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna go kick some butt, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go running through this thing. Ah! So we go running through this gate this morning. We've been here for like six hours now, and there's nothing here. And we're guarding this fence. Yeah, it was a little underwhelming. A little, a little. Yeah, I'd say so. Look, we're iron horn. We're gonna see some action. I want to beat some stuff up. Look, it's it's past one o'clock here. I say we get out of here and What was that? Hey uh I think you got your wish If you'd like to see what I'm up to every day, follow Ask Buxley on Twitter. Epic Diapers. Well, I tried to get all 11 of my tunes to level 90, but I petered out at 7 with another 4 lost in limbo between levels 85 and 88. I just couldn't find the excuse to carve out time to play a game that had grown a little long in the tooth. However, that's all changed as of last Tuesday when patch 6.0.2 dropped on us weary virtual Azerothians. There are so many new and shiny things about this patch, including you! With higher fidelity character models, humans look less porn starish. The Tauren are hairier, and the undead look more grotesque, yet still human. Sorry, Blood Elves, but you're going to have to wait for your facelift. Whatever.
Our stats have changed, and everything has been squished. So no more crits for 800k. And gems are, like, only plus 5 strength. So it's a little awkward at first, but eventually you burn everything down as quickly as before. But what I did first was take my Death Knight through the short series of quests as part of the event leading up to the release of Warlords next month. It only took me about 30 minutes, and I upgraded a few slots with quest rewards. There's also a short time level 90 version of Upper Black Rock Spire that you can queue for and obtain eye level 550 gear. However, you have to have a minimum eye level of 510, so be sure to upgrade your gear if necessary. You can follow me on Twitter at Epic Diapers, or check out all of my segments and show notes at EpicDiapers.com. And Giants fans, don't forget to check out me and Willie Dills on TortureCast. The Giants are making a deep run in the playoffs, and hopefully they're going to be winning the World Series again this year. It's an even year after all. And remember, it's hard to balance the pew-pew with the poo-poo. Welcome back to another Mega Minute with Megacode, a mini-cast on all things Holy Paladin. Now that I've had a nice week of raiding Mythic, I wanted to give my thoughts on where we stand at the moment with 6-0 changes to our healing style at level 90. Remember, all things will be subject to change once we start leveling to 100. So right now, Holy Paladins are sort of all over the place with their rotations and choice of stats, so I'll give my input based on what I did. So I pretty much gemmed Int Mastery and Pure Mastery. One thing to make note of is that we have tons of mana due to our new regen mechanic being designed around level 100 and us being only 90. Of course, this all changes once we're level 100. First night of Mythics, I played around with Eternal Flame Talent. Like usual, I kept Beacon of Light for the tanks and spot healed the raid with Holy Shocks and Holy Radiance. Because Eternal Flame is no longer instant and on a cast timer, I was getting around 3-4 to four out on the players. My AoE healing consisted of Holy Shock, Holy Radiance, Holy Prism or Light's Hammer, and Light of Dawn. The second night of raiding, I played around with Sacred Shield Talent. Mastery was still my priority stat. Beacon was used on the tanks, and as best as I could, tried to keep 3-4 to four Sacred Shields up at all times. My spot healing consisted of Holy Shocks, Holy Radiance, and Light of Dawn. AoE healing comprised of the same spells as mentioned above. So how do I feel about our spec? At the moment, it just feels really clunky and awkward due to the fact that we no longer can move and heal on the fly with our Holy Power heals. Also, I have a year of Selfless Healer muscle memory still built in, which by the way, is a useless talent for us at the moment. Now Eternal Flame did some moderate amount of healing for me. It just really took some getting used to, watching the cast bar go down as I applied the spell. Now I must say I really preferred Sacred Shield. It put out some nice absorbs and allowed me to use it on the fly like our Holy Power Heals pre-patch 6-0. So it felt really natural to me. Now AoE healing for us is in a bad place. Using Daybreak Holy Shocks, Holy Radiance, and Light of Dawns, I hardly saw any movement of the green bars. Plus by the time I got a Light of Dawn off, my fellow healers had the raid back up to safe levels. One last thing, if you're not using your hand spells, especially the ones like Hand of Sacrifice and Hand of Protection, protection, please start to. They really make a difference now since our ability to move and heal has been diminished. Next week, I plan to mess around with stats and try some haste and crit builds. So I hope this helps out some folks still trying to figure things out. If you're on Twitter, come follow me at FFPMark with a C or check out my blog page at HealingSpec.com. Dark Portal Threat Level raised to red. It's the Overly Dramatic News. I'm Hunts the Wind. 
For quite a while now, the blasted lands have all in all been pretty quiet, visited only by lightning researchers and young adventurers on their way to their semester abroad in the Outlands. But all that changed Tuesday when beings unknown raised the dark portal threat level from green to red and a multitude of orcs started spewing forth from the now crimson gateway. ODN was able to briefly interview one of the invading orcs, who claimed to be from a faction known as the Iron Horde. He said that opening the portal was a triumph, and he was extremely satisfied with the results. He then paused to blow a short fanfare on his battle horn and reiterated that the operation so far had been a huge success. Before returning to battle, he warned our reporter to depart the area, as all enemies of the Iron Horde were subject to being torn into pieces and thrown into a bonfire. Our reporter did so, and fortunately is still alive. Vol'jin, Thrall, and King Varian Rin have committed all possible resources into combating the invasion. They are also tempting mercenaries to the battle by claiming the Iron Horde warriors have bronze whelplings and iron drakes to be won. There are reports that whelplings have been found and tamed, but so far nobody has found a mount. So it appears that the drake is a lie. Broadcasting across all Azeroth, I'm Hunts the Wind. Check out the archives at OverlyDramaticNews.com or follow me on Twitter at Hunts the Wind. Greetings, this is Rasklin presenting another installment of our ongoing informational series, Other, Much Lesser Known Shahs of Pandaria. Tonight, the Shah of Bitterness. This Shah became the way it is, mainly because it was always picked last when all the Shahs were choosing up teams for their tournaments. Eventually, its resentment of the situation led to its leaving, never to participate again and taking up residence in a crumbling ruin in the Dread Wastes, which did not help its attitude at all. Since any adventurers that challenge it just bring back to it painful memories of competition and rejection, it is relatively easy to defeat in combat. Unfortunately, the loot gained for further humiliating this Shaw is also very unremarkable, and many heroes are themselves so bitter at discovering this that they judge it not worth their time to even pick up. However, highly observant heroes may notice that all of this bitterness in the area has seeped into the very soil around the lair, imbuing nearby plants with sharp flavor ingredients, perfect for some of the more renowned and expensive Pandaren food recipes. We now return to your regularly scheduled raid run already in progress. Next week, we'll be talking to, uh, we'll be bringing Radozato back again, along with a secret guest we've been forbidden to name, his name was redacted, to cover AIE in the secret world. So until then, AIE, this is Akizad. And this is Makala. And this has been the AIE Podcast. <laughs>